0: hi and welcome back to another episode of tales to the cartridge oh no tales from the cartridge
1: <laughs> i'm one of your co-hosts eric Penrod. and i will be your other ho- hook and i will be your other co-host <laughs> ryan bauer <laughs> we can't talk today <laughs> the spooks are gone and we've lost our mojo
0: i know oh yeah and I, our opening has gone back to normal which is great but uh that's not the spooky one i missed the spooky one already but ryan how are you and what the heck you've been playing
1: I am good. It's been a really busy week, so I haven't played a lot. I've only played Animal Crossing, a tiny amount of Hades, and then that game I talked about probably beginning of the month called terra nail where you like terraform you have this like it's like an 8-bit super pixelated game you have like this barren wasteland you have to like first make it look beautiful and then like balance ecosystems in it it's really fun kind of puzzly um kind of mindless because my brain has been fried this week (laughs) how are you (laughs) what have you been playing your week sounds a lot like my
0: week (laughs) so week two at my new job and it's just kind of like so much going on like yeah. i forgot kind of what it's like to work again after so long <laughs> <laughs> it feels like yeah but yeah and just like you i've been like kind of struggling to be able to play games i come home just like plop, plop down and like my girlfriend i've been watching a lot of netflix the haunting of blind manor was really good we liked Ooh, it a lot yeah. so but yeah as for games i again playing hades i broke down every day i check to see if hades has any cross saves i just want to desperately bring my pc save over to my switch And I just, every day I'm waiting. And last night I just broke down. I was like, I just can't do it. I just can't wait anymore. So I bought it on Switch. I played last night, made it to the first boss of the first stage. I don't want to give any spoilers. Yeah. yeah. And died. I was really disappointed in myself. Then I made it to the second boss on the second world, you know, level, whatever, um, and died there on my second run. So I was a little disappointed there too. I thought I can go further. (laughs) (laughs) But man, it's just such a great game. I I played it when it first came out. So it was like, still, like, you know, there are some artwork that wasn't finished characters that went, weren't done yet and like to see like how the game starts now compared to how the game started in early access it's so weird it's just yeah. so weird because it was not the same game but it's just really cool how far Supergiant brought that game yeah it's just so cool it's very very cool um and yeah of course animal crossing trying to get all those uh All these As many pumpkins on my island as possible before it's too late. (laughs) (laughs) Fill it up, yeah. But yeah, that's about it. Once Hades Cross saves come out, I'll probably just hook myself onto that. (laughs) Play it forever. Yeah, just absolutely, yeah, just play it forever. Um, I did find out. I've been wanting to play Infamous again so badly, so badly. But my my PS3 died, and I just never could play it. And Mm -hmm. I I found out, I'm pretty sure, that PS now has Infamous on it which makes me infuriated that sony has had this and has not re-released the game it's kind of been, like used <laughs> as like
1: bait to get people on a service and no one's using yeah yeah they just want everyone to come and come and join ps now and play all yeah. the old games that we refuse to release <laughs> yeah yeah
0: until no one plays it then we'll re release it for money yeah, yeah i mean right, right. it is what it is i guess i don't know yeah. i don't like it but i'll probably break down and play that again soon because it just feels like <laughs> the right time i love the infamous series a lot so but yeah, this is our very first DLC episode, and what that means is that at the beginning of every month, Ryan and I will come together and talk about some kind of aspect of your game's stories, while also updating you on all of our new changes for the month. So with these DLC episodes, we will be telling you ahead of time what games we're focusing on for the whole month. And again, really quick, before we get jump into our, our topic today, we want to just review the changes coming this month in November. So... As we have been doing, it's been four episodes a month. Now we're going down to two episodes a month, plus our DLC episode. So it's three episodes a month. And with our extra time for these two stories that we're covering every month, we have improved scripts and adding sound effects as well to kind of help with the immersion of the story. Uh, I think Ryan and I like the idea of having this podcast kind of be like the like old-timey radio shows where people would just kind of sit around and listen to it and let your imagination kind of just take you through this the story that's being told to you and i think that adding sound effects and having time to make the scripts better and to edit more will just help make these episodes even better than they already are i know there's been times where i forget when editing there's like double lines or something like that you know it's always upsetting to hear like i miss something in editing so i think this will be a great way to make sure that doesn't happen anymore for me personally i'm really excited about that and then as well we will be having guests on the show Friends of ours and people that we've met along the way through podcasting will come on and, and tell stories that they loved in their childhoods, or just in general, stories that, that connected with them on a personal level, or stories they just really enjoyed, and we can have even more thoughts, feelings, and perspectives being uh, told to us, which is absolutely
1: fantastic. I'm really, really excited for these changes. Yeah, yeah, me too. I think it's going to just make a better experience for all parties involved. Yes, definitely. Um,
0: and again, you're only really missing out on one episode, and who's to say it in the future if we're doing this more full-time we couldn't do more if we wanted to oh yeah certainly but speaking of thoughts feelings and perspectives as always storygoers, if you have any of those yourself and you want to share those with us please reach out to us at tales from the cartridge at gmail.com all of the e's are threes and you can also find us on twitter and instagram dm us let us know what you think about the games that we cover we would love
1: to share your emails on our future episodes I'm excited to to jump in and talk about what we're focusing on for this DLC episode yes do you
0: want to share with the story course what that is
1: yeah so this um, this month of the month of November um, we're gonna focus on our favorite stories and games of our childhood I think anytime we dive into one of these games and we focus on those background and influences we learn so much about games and we learn so much about the stories that are being told and what better way than um focusing on ourselves and figure out what are the games that kind of shaped us and made us reflect and form how we think about games and i think going through and doing this was a really fun activity to kind of oh man i really love this type of game here is that place where i played that first type of game and i fell in love with it um and it's really fun and interesting and i'm excited to to dive into it so yeah focusing on those favorite childhood stories and super
0: excited i mean in america this is the month of being thankful for things right and like I mean, as, as messed up as the holidays, Thanksgiving kind of is when you think about it. That's not the point. The point is, <laughs> right. you know, I think that looking at this list, I'm so thankful that I got to play these games when I was young because it really helped me appreciate not only these these series moving forward, but the, the stories that we kind of got from them. These are game stories for me personally that I've, like always stuck with me and kind of just made me feel just happy every time I think about it and compels me to go back and play them again. You know, it's just always, always a good time and and it's just these games are special. I think everyone has, you know, those few games in their childhood that they really connected with and are just so special to them. And that's just such a cool thing, I think.
1: Yeah. And one of the things I think that is so interesting is because of the time we grew up, um, that kind of early 90s to late 90s to early 2000s, there wasn't the same um, games media as there was, there really wasn't any games media, Mm -hmm. any games news media. So One of the really interesting things is like now when a game comes out, everyone kinda knows about it and everyone plays kind of more or less the same things. There are some fringes. But at least for me, in my childhood, everyone was playing just such wildly different things and you'd like grab things that were just so weird and different that no one had ever heard of before so some of the games that I found like thinking back to it I don't know if anybody else ever played some of these games just because they're like so obscure and so strange and like they're games that your grandparents bought for you randomly when they went into a Walmart one day you know what I mean that like for some reason stuck with you but you have so so many of these kind of just random pieces. and I think that's one of the things I'm really excited to hear from people about is the games that you played and you heard about that no one knows about and those really interesting stories that are in those because I think that's growing up in the time we did I think that's one something that's really interesting and different
0: yeah yeah I totally
1: agree actually I, I
0: I wish children born after like 2000 can just experience that feeling when you get to go to like a supermarket and there would be video game rentals there and you would yeah. just beg your parents so hard <laughs> to let you <laughs> rent Banjo-Tooie <laughs> yeah. with all your might <laughs> and they say yes oh my god like that's the best day ever such a different time, like something that I will never experience again, I don't think. It'll never go back that way. But it was just so cool to see all those games. And then, and like, you'd hope, so desperately hope, that a game would be on the shelf to rent at, mm-hmm. like, Blockbuster or, or, or supermarket or whatever. And, it, and when it wasn't there, and you would just look everywhere behind every single game because sometimes <laughs> people yeah. would put the games that they wanted behind other games and they attempt to save those games so they can rent them later because they were jerks. But anyway, the point is, is, like, it would just be so heartbreaking when you didn't find that game you desperately wanted to rent. Uh, it was just the worst. So I'm glad no one can experience that anymore. That was a, that was a pain. That was really hard as a kid, (laughs) but no, no, it's just a, it's a fun memory. I I think it's such a
1: cool thing that, um,
0: and a sad thing that we'll never be able to experience that again too, I think a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. It's certainly there's some nostalgia there of of that time period being so special. And like games were made, some games were made so that they would be rented over and over again. And so that how you would build hype and you go out and buy them. And so it's just, it was just a totally different landscape that felt really different and weird. And whereas now we have like these kind of major releases that we're expecting. And maybe it's because of the media we consume as individuals. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it was just such a different time. Yeah, yeah,
0: so different. And I look at it now like in terms of like, in the 90s it was for us we do like you know rent games from stores or whatever and now there's like it's the landscape has totally changed to a point where like it's just a lot of good games are free now and, mm-hmm. and they're streaming and they make money through microtransactions and it's just so different now it's just it, it it's crazy it's crazy to see how far video games have come i feel old, <laughs> I feel old. <laughs> yeah 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 certainly yeah so we're basing we're 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 focusing on the best stories we have from our childhoods from from for, for video games themselves. But before we jump into those stories, we kind of want to do a list of honorable mentions, like for games that maybe didn't have like the most
1: like intensive stories, but we still really enjoyed despite that. Yeah, yeah, and the, it was it was really hard to make this list. There's just so many that we have both played that were um, and like we've talked about. There was kind of a period in maybe like the late 90s, early 2000s where games as a storytelling medium really kind of took off. A lot of the games Mm. we played when we were kids, there was maybe a story in there, but it wasn't. And I think looking at your honorable mentions and looking at the things you chose, it sounds like you um, very luckily picked up on some really good story games when you were a kid. And you, you kind of picked some of those gems out where, I mean, I at least me personally I missed a ton of those and had to go back mm. and replay them and re-experience those stories
0: yeah we have a very different we have a very similar but at the same time very different list yeah um, but it's also I think I see a lot of ones that
1: I think I've played to as a child that I really liked uh, without further ado Randy would you like to start us off yeah, yeah. So, how I organized my honorable mentions was by system. So, my very first game system that I ever owned or whatever was in my household was the Sega Genesis. Mm-hmm. I was really, really young. I think Genesis came out in the early 90s. So, I was like a tiny kid. I don't even think it was my Genesis. I think it was like my dad's, and I just played it. <laughs> and so, the games I remember playing were like Toe Jam and Earl, Shining Force, which is like a strategy game that I just had no idea what was going on. <laughs> and then a bunch of other like those standards. Like, I'm positive I had Battletoads. I remember dying over and over again in battle. Toads. Oh geez, yeah. um, I remember having a game as a kid. I don't even remember what it was. I remember it was rated M, though. And my cousin Tyler came over and we started playing. And it's a game we were like running across piles of skulls and like shooting aliens, blood everywhere. It was wild. I don't know why we had that when we were like three <laughs> and four years old. But I distinctly remember that experience of playing that game. So that was kind of my earliest, earliest gaming memory. Also, my grandfather had a, a SNES. So I played a little bit of Mario and Duck Hunt, but they were just far too challenging for me. I was not, not good enough for those games. Yeah, yeah. Um, and then after that, I, I dived into, I think, one of the... the systems um i paired them together that i think i played the most other than pc which was the game boy game Boy color and the gba and oh, i think man yeah and and the biggest of those and i think we both share this is is of course pokemon right it, yeah. it was such a big part of my childhood is it's those huge. pokemon games it's crazy i
0: remember finding my first pokemon pack of cards like in a store somewhere and just thinking that this is the coolest thing and i feel like and i'm sure my memory is so not correct in this regard everyone thinks they were the first person to bring pokemon cards <laughs> to their school everyone yeah <laughs> like, yeah like, like there's never one person that didn't think that they were the first one to not you know they, everyone thought they just brought the first pokemon cards to school and i was the same way i thought and i'm sure i wasn't looking back now i'm sure i wasn't it just became pokemon became such a huge phenomenon it was insane and my dad, I don't know how my dad did this. He put Pokemon Blue on my computer. So that's oh, how I first wow. played it until I got a Game Boy. Yeah, I don't know how he did it honestly cuz I don't think it was early meant for emulator. the emulator. Yeah. I think it was. Yeah, I think it was like I think it was an early emulator that we were probably weren't supposed to have at all but somehow he had been able to do. But then yeah, later got Pokemon Blue which
1: was like fantastic. Pokemon Silver I remember being a huge experience mm. for me that was I think one of my first really big Pokemon games. Pokemon Red and Blue were great. Pokemon Yellow I really enjoyed quite a yes. bit. But Pokemon Silver, I think, was I was old enough to kind of fully understand, or not fully personally more understand <laughs> what was going on, and really enjoyed playing it. Um and it was yeah. it was like a time I started a new school. It was really great. I love Pokemon Silver has, I think, is my favorite Pokemon games. Me and Cintiquil forever. Ride mm. or die forever. Oh, um me and Totodial, <laughs> dude, what are you doing? Totodile, Mia? <laughs>
0: So cool! I loved Pokemon Yellow so much because the starter Pokemon were my favorite Pokemon. Like Squirtle, Charmander, and Bulbasaur were my absolute favorites. Plus Pikachu, he was pretty cool too. Um, Squirtle be my absolute favorite. Shots fired. Charmander sucks. I like Charmander, don't worry. Um, but <laughs> um, but no, Pokemon Yellow was just so so cool because like. I got to have all the starter Pokemon, which was fantastic. And I would get like a lot of anxiety as a kid making sure I got them when I started the game, like making sure I didn't miss them somehow. Mm-hmm. Um, which was really silly, but happened a lot as a kid. Like you get that anxiety, like, Oh my god, did I miss the thing I'm looking for in this game? And then like you said, Pokemon Silver came out and it just like blew everything away. It was just so cool. The graphics were better it's just such a great story. And why is Lance the coolest Pokemon trainer ever? Yeah. Like, why? Yeah. Like, what is it about Lance? He used to be like, he's probably a huge dweeb in real life. <laughs> but he's so cool in Pokemon, I don't know. Yeah, he's very cool. <laughs>
1: um, and then after that, I think my next biggest... And again, I'm going to bunch of these together. My next Game Boy series was Link's Awakening. I remember playing on Game Boy Color. And then... Mm. Um, there's all the seasons, which I love. The yes. seasons and ages were just really good games. And I think compared to you, which we'll see, I didn't play any of the console Zelda games because I never got an N64 I I totally missed the N64 era I'm sorry man I'm sorry yeah and I I don't (laughs) I had a lot of friends and cousins who had N64 so I would go to their houses and like I would play GoldenEye with them I would watch them play Legend of Zelda and you know what I mean so I I had it was on my peripherals where I'd I'd played them but I never owned the system Mm -hmm. so um those like really beefy games that take a long time to get into I never got to but um, links awakening and seasons i love harvest moon one of my very first management games uh, i think the game boy color i played and then uh, battle network on um, game boy advance i never got into Mega Man. i'm just not very good at games especially platformers and until this day <laughs> i do not super enjoy platformers uh, but battle network was like a, a rpg it was like almost pokemon related you'd like get these like powers that you would use in battles and you'd move on a grid it was really interesting and fun Final mm-hmm. Fantasy Tactics, Advanced Wars, Fire Emblem, Superstar Saga. Just a, 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 I played a ton of Game Boy games that I cannot remember the story of, but just were really fun and games for me.
0: I, well, I, I, there's so many of those games I did not play. I, I wish I had. Like Fire Emblem, I did not discover until much later on. Once uh, Path of Radiance came out, and that's the one that really hooked me into yeah. like, to Fire Emblem. Um, Advanced Wars I already saw in like Nintendo Power magazines, but I never picked up. I just didn't like have that attachment to it. And I never played Superstar Saga, either, surprisingly, which I, I definitely should have. <laughs> so like that's a that's a bummer that I didn't ever play that one. But yeah, it's just so cool to see like how our experiences are totally different. Like I had a Game Boy, but I just didn't play it super often. I had one, and I definitely played it. Um, but consoles are definitely more my jam. So it's it's cool how we came from different backgrounds in terms yeah. of our games and our what we played, and, and now we're kind of like, you know, it's just fun to to compare and contrast and like just know. But we, we
1: all have like really cool games despite. Whatever consoles or systems we had at the time, still pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, it's really cool how we all came from, like, different gaming origins to, like, it's almost like a a heritage, right? Like, you've latched onto these certain games that led you to a certain place. That's really cool. Yeah, yeah. Um, My next big system, I got a Dreamcast and a PlayStation around the same time. Um, I don't remember which one I got first, but I think the only thing I remember on Dreamcast was the Sonic Adventure games, which were so good, except for uh, the fishing it was very bad at. But they were, they were very fun games, and the chill gardens were very <laughs> fun. Um, and then PlayStation, I I like I have a complete blank for PlayStation. I know I played Spyro, um, and there was an experience where I was playing Spyro. Me and my sister were playing Spyro together, and it got pulled off the end table it was on, and it broke, and I never got to finish it. And that was super oh. dramatic. Um, I played so <laughs> much Monster Anster. I remember me and my cousins just... Tearing apart our parents' houses trying to find more CDs to put into that game to get more and more monsters. Um, so cool is that, is that the mechanic yeah. in the game yeah so you put a, you you take a CD and you put it in and it and it reads it and then it randomly generates a monster based on whatever that CD is what? and then that monster is added to your farm yeah it was so wild and so wow. cool yeah yeah so you'd like get like a Shania Twain CD and put it in there and you get this like <laughs> this like one eyed monster with like tentacles and it's like this is the best ever <laughs> thank you Shania <laughs> it was so cool um, and so fun uh, and and just so weird, like, to, to open up the PlayStation, take out the Monster Rancher CD, put it in another <laughs> CD, close it, and, like, if CDs were scratchy, you had to clean them. It was a whole thing, but it was just really wow. fun and really wild, and there's just a never anything since.
0: I watched the anime for Monster Rancher as a kid. I didn't ever play the games. I wanted to. I just never yeah. I never could. Like, when I had a chance to get a game as a kid, I would, you know, be something else. Mm-hmm. Um. So I, I had that attachment to the TV show. It was awesome. So just hearing that, I feel like I super missed out. I, like, like my mom and I would collect CDs all the
1: time. So like mm-hmm. I would have so many monsters and Monster <laughs> <laughs> and I
0: played this game. I missed yeah. out, man.
1: Yeah, and I have no idea if there was like a rarity system or if it was just a bunch of trash that we were getting, but just the experience of like <laughs> putting a monster in, oh, it's this gonna, what's this gonna be? Oh, it's this weird dragon thing. Like, it was just so fun. Yeah, it's amazing. Like, it didn't, like as a kid, it, like, you
0: don't understand the system mechanics, and that's right. cool. Actually, I knew that benefited you a little bit in that regard. Just yeah, how fun it was. Yeah.
1: yeah so, Monster Anchor Spyro. There was a couple, there was an RPG that I cannot remember the name of where I like, had like a little purple dragon or something that I played but never fully understood. Um, and a bunch of other little <laughs> Little bits and bobs, but again, like console games are more expensive, and so I didn't have a ton of them. Um, and when I did, I just played them over and over and over and over, yeah, yeah. Um, and then, um, I played we had a computer, we were very lucky to have a computer in our house, and I played a ton of PC games, um, growing up. Games that I just picked up because you could get a PC game fairly cheap. Uh, um, there was a place in our hometown called Granny's Attic that had dirt cheap oh, games, yeah. and you could go and get really cheap PC games. And so me and my cousins, we would kind of play all kinds of PC games. We all were lucky enough to have computers or families who needed them for work or for different things. We all had computers, so we all had a, just a handful of, of PC games. Earliest ones being like the Roller Coaster and Zoo Tycoon games. Me and my mom mm-hmm. played those a lot together. Oh, that's um, cool. Yeah, yeah. Age of Empires, Warcraft, that I had no idea what was going on, but they were just really satisfying in <laughs> some way. And this was when I was a little bit older, probably like 10, 11, or 12. Yeah. Um, Total Annihilation, which is an RTS game that's super old and, and like janky but really fun. Um, just I played a ton of RTSs and strategy games that, like, I didn't have any idea what was going on. But I really enjoyed them. <laughs> Did you ever play the Carmen San Diego games on yes! PC? Yes, 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 yes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, they were very good. And then I also played a ton of, and I'm going to talk about it later, uh, the Humongous Entertainment games. Like Pajama Sam and Spy Fox and Putt-Putt. Oh, and yeah, yeah. all of those really, like, early, they're point-and-click games. That's all they are. Point-and-click adventures, but, like, for kids. And they're kind of goofy and silly. And I played a ton of those Uh, But yeah, Carmen Sandiga was so good.
0: I would just get so, not angry, but just disappointed when she would get away. I would like try so hard. (laughs) <laughs> to beat those like mini games in Carmen San Diego, whatever that game was on PC, yeah, and like she would just always get away. I think eventually I just became fed up. I was like, I'm never gonna catch her. <laughs> I just stopped playing. <laughs> she just always gets away, oh, no. no matter what I did, no matter how fast I was at solving math problems. That lady would always elude me, yeah. and I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, just really good times. um And then my last one that I'm gonna cover because I obviously I played a lot of PlayStation, but I uh, I, I I'm not gonna add too much PlayStation just because the things I played. Where, like, I played a ton of Dynasty Warriors, pretty much. I think that's... The majority of my PlayStation was Dynasty Warriors. Um, I don't know if you ever played Dynasty Warriors, but they're very wild, like... Eh, a little bit. Um, yeah, I played a ton of Dynasty Warriors, but not a lot. And then GameCube. Animal Crossing, wonderful. Pikmin, oh, yeah. wonderful. And then the the story game I remember most from GameCube is Tales of Symphonia, which I played... Um, it was my one of my first JRPGs that I got really into, and I, it was really good. Um, but yeah, I think... There, I'm sure there's a ton I'm forgetting because I'm an old man... Who's gone senile, um, but that's that's the majority of kind of a lot of my formative games. A lot of it was handheld and PC stuff, with some console sprinkled in. What about you? Tell me everything, Eric.
0: Yes. Well, before I jump in mine, I just want to mention you said Pikmin, and I would feel the the idea of the game is so cool, right? But the Pikmin are so creepy; it would freak me out just them following me. I knew they were like my companions in the story, but just it would always creep me out. And then those giant like ladybug dog things I would eat them I would just feel absolutely mortified when it chased us it was literally stress inducing anxiety to the max I feel like that game was the most well that's not true one of the most anxious games I've ever played as a kid because it was just so like scary to just and just exploring was was scary because like one wrong move, and all your fire Pikmin would go into the water and die, and then you'd see their souls fly away into the sky, and like you're a horrible monster. <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah. Pikmin die. It was, I feel like it was a more than anything a traumatic game. I actually downloaded the demo for Pikmin 3 on my mm-hmm. Switch last night, and I haven't played it yet, but just talking about it right now makes me feel like <laughs> I don't want to play it
1: again. <laughs> uh, it's, it's, it's a good time um, if you get into it. and The demo, you actually get quite a bit out of. Me and my uh, girlfriend played it a little bit. Is it has go up. It's pretty fun.
0: Oh, oh, yeah, really? You
1: both control different people who can, like, have your own squad of Pikmin and it goes split screen. It's fun. It's a good time. Oh, man. I'm going to get anxious <laughs> yeah. playing games. I don't know if it would work very well. I think we'd just be, like, yelling at each You're other. Where are y'all this the not... What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> get them out of
0: the water. Get them out of the water. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so my honorable mentions. So growing up, I didn't play anything but Nintendo. My family is more of a Nintendo family. Every weekend, I would go to my grandmother's house in Sanford, Maine. And uh, my cousin was would also be there, my cousin Erica. Shout out to Erica. Hi, Erica. And uh, she would play a lot of games in front of me. And I would play too, but she was really good at games compared to me. I was just really young and not great at games. So a lot of times I'd watch her play games. And a lot of those games were like snes games so super mario world super metroid link to the past those are like the, the main three games i remember the most in my childhood and like super metroid and link to the past have some good stories i think especially link to the past has like a, has a decent well-rounded story super metroid kind of like there's a there's a reason why you're doing some things there's kind of a little bit of story thrown throughout there so it wasn't like a crazy stories to comprehend but i still didn't really like pay attention i was more just like enthralled by what i was just watching you know it wasn't until the N64 that I really started to get into games, and uh, being a young young lad at the time, I feel like the N64 came out when I was like five or something or something. I don't know, maybe I was a little older than that. But Super Mario 64 was really the game that took me on this like video game excursion that I am still you know going through right now, and it kind of like defined my video game obsession and love. Uh, But again, Super Mario has a very simplistic story, right? You get that letter in the beginning of the game and it's like, Mario, come and see me for cake, I think. I forget (laughs) what, (laughs) what Peach says. In her letter in the beginning of the game, but uh anyway, this is such a simple story wrap head around. It's easy, and then other games like Star Fox sixty four again, super easy story to kind of digest. And a lot of times, Slippy would like crash on a planet, and I just would leave him behind <laughs> because I'm all <laughs> Slippy. Right, maybe, maybe, maybe you couldn't leave him behind, but I really wanted to. I can't remember if that was the case or not. But he was just the worst. Like there's, and it'd be really cool because like Star Fox, you can like take different planets and like find secret passages to like new worlds and it would change the story a little
1: bit and it was just really cool to see how they like made that all work
0: did you ever play any of these games ryan super mario 64 Uh, no so i
1: I watched a little bit of somebody play super mario 64 and suits Hmm. i and same with 60 star fox 64 i had my cousin aaron who now lives in colorado um he had an n64 so we'd go to his house and he would have all of these Nintendo games you're talking about he had a snes he had a suit he had a 64 and that is where i saw almost all of the n64 games you're talking about is from that so, yeah, So I, I have mm-hmm. kind of, I've seen them played, and I was around them being played, but I, I just I just missed out. Yeah, and that happens. Like, I, I'd never
0: played PS1 <laughs> games, honestly. I had no, like, I have PS1 games, but I didn't play them until the PS2 came out. I didn't discover them at all. I thought, I honestly just only knew about Nintendo. I had no <laughs> idea about PlayStation. I didn't even know it was a thing. So yeah, Super Mario 64, Star Fox 64... Mega Man 64 was a big game for me too even though I could never get past like the second level but there was something about that game that just totally gripped me and I wanted to learn more but I can never beat there was this I can't I've never I haven't played this game in like literally like 20 years so I, I had no idea what happens in that game but there was some part I can never beat because I was like I was a dumb little kid <laughs> I just didn't know how to beat the boss so I never progressed super far in the game but I just for some reason or another I was just super entranced by the game I don't know why. And then Super Smash Brothers, which again, no real story there. Melee tried to have a story. Like, Smash Brothers 64 had no story. But Melee kind of did. And, like, the adventure he kind of went through was really fun. But it was more of, like, a visual story, right? These are all these worlds that you've known and loved for other games... And it's basically the, the whole, like, plot is, like, this little kid's just playing. Uh, it's a kid that plays with these Nintendo figures that, that they love. And so, yeah, those are really, like, kind of the games I grew up with. And, again, Game Boy also. Like, like Pokemon was huge. But I never paid attention to the story. You know, I just knew I was supposed to beat up Team Rocket and then become the Pokemon Master. Which I still am to this day. <laughs> 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 um, but, yeah, those are, like, my, my big honorable mentions. Nintendo was basically my world for, in terms of video games and the stories. As a really young kid. But that's before I dive deep dive into like the big stories that kind of defined my childhood. Um, but Ryan, if you want to take it away to the, the video game stories that really defined your childhood. Uh.
1: Yeah, so um, mine are, are kind of strange. But they are games that when I played, at the time that I played them, they were really meaningful to me. Both in who I was as a human at that time. And also... Mm. Um, what the story was doing was kind of interesting and kind of like I talked about um, two of th- uh, I, I'm, I picked three two of them are going to be pc games and one of them is going to be a gameboy game, Boy game. Um, and there's other really good game stories that I'm sure had a, had a big impact on my childhood but these are kind of the three that I think are both the most interesting um, because they're they're different and kind of out of the mainstream and also because i have a really personal connection to them the first Mm -hmm. one i kind of talked about this the humongous entertainment games is pajama sam games um but specifically all those games were fun but specifically the one i played the most was pajama sam 2 thunder and lightning aren't so frightening so the the story of this game this came out in 1998 um uh, october 2nd 1998 the story of this game is you all play Pajama Sam, who you have um, in the previous game. And the previous game was called um, No Need to Hide When It's Dark Outside. These titles are just like... <laughs> they're so <laughs> yeah.
0: catchy. i never played these games. I've never heard of this one. Yeah, over, they're so really good. Awesome.
1: And and the, the the whole theme of the game is based on that title. So like this one is all weather related. And effectively, you play Pajama Sam. And Pajama Sam's character is a little kid who is terrified of things. And he has a magical cape he puts on. And that turns him into Pajama Sam the Superhero and lets him overcome his fears. And so he's hiding and terrified in um, his house during a thunderstorm. He puts on his magic cape. And the premise of the game is you're just kind of making your way through a fairly mundane place. But Pajama Sam's imagination takes him to this other world. So you, as Pajama Sam, are have been transported to uh, a weather facility called the Worldwide Weather, and you get meet all kinds of crazy characters. And this is a point-and-click game, and you you um, are basically helping fix the weather and learning about why thunder and lightning aren't scary; they're really important. And here's why. And here's the characters who represent Thunder, characters who represent Lightning. And it was really cool. And um, both kind of taught you a little bit about some weather stuff. But also, the overall theme is, like, it's okay to be scared. Let's understand the thing so we're less scared. And you as a kid, me as a child, a seven-year-old child at this point, and Pajama Sam... We're both kind of grappling with things that are scary and how we overcome those things. And um, the story isn't super complex. Again, it's just you meeting all these characters and then like finding missing components and fixing the weather machine and helping make things right. But at the same time, overcoming your fears. Um, So, yeah, that's Pajama Sam. And um, it's a really fun game. And all the Humongous Entertainment games are very different. But um, Pajama Sam, for me, as, like, a scared little kid, just just did it for me. Um, and specifically this one, um, because of just when it came out and because I think I had access to it before the other ones, I just played over and over. Because there's, like, each time you play, it's, like, slightly different. Parts are in, hidden in different places. I remember just playing this oh, game. Oh, cool. Over and over, I knew where everything was. I knew who all the characters were. I just played it over and over and over because I really loved the characters. I loved the story. And I loved being immersed in that world because ultimately my relationship with games is a is a relationship of like escapism. And this was mm-hmm. one of the first games as a kid that I really used to kind of escape into this like fun, silly, hyper-imaginative world. That is so cool.
0: It sounds like the story was a good way to help teach kids who actually were afraid of lightning and thunder why not to be,
1: which is like- yeah that's a really creative way to do that. And something that's like, I don't know, I think that's that's really, really cool. Yeah, yeah. And the first one is about darkness. No New what it's Dark Outside. It's about you kind of overcoming your fear of darkness and like meeting the embodiment of darkness and what that looks like. The third one, not as good. I don't even remember the title. It's about like eating healthy. Get out of here with that nonsense. Oh, geez. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I don't even remember the title of that one because it was um, not nearly as exciting or engaging. It had like a, a really funny talking tomato, but I think that's all I had going for it. Oh, that sounds cool. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so that was my first big kind of formative story game that I, I kind of realized that oh games aren't just something silly you can play. Games are something that I can use to help better understand the world and kind of get lost in a in a in a in another place.
0: That's so cool. I actually I, I like when stories like that, especially at the time in the nineties, like I'm sure like I mean I'm not sure. I actually really don't know. But the stereotype is that kids play video games, right? Not so true anymore. Right. Um, but in the 90s, maybe that's a little bit more true uh, just at the time. So it was cool that kids who were potentially afraid of thunder or lightning can learn something, or, or darkness, or eating healthy. But, um, <laughs> I never learned that lesson. So <laughs> I had donuts for breakfast this morning. So <laughs> uh, still learning that lesson. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't get there. Um, yeah, so for my uh, first games that I want to talk about, it was uh Final Fantasy. And specifically, I started with Final Fantasy IX. And in I had never played a PlayStation game until like I think it was late elementary. I made a friend. I'm pretty sure his name was Dylan. Shout outs to Dylan if you're out there. I haven't talked to you in like 20 years. But I hope you're doing well. <laughs> <laughs> um and he I went to his house one day just to like, like it was like a, you know going to your house to hang out with your friend kind of thing. And he showed me Final Fantasy IX. In like, I had never seen anything like it. It totally blew me away. I had just been all about Nintendo games. So seeing this PlayStation game, I didn't had no idea what PlayStation was. And so when you put Final Fantasy IX in, it would just totally, like, rocked my video game world. It was crazy. And the story is so, like, deep and complex. I didn't even, like, fully understand it playing it as a kid until I was much older and kind of took more of the themes and stuff out of the game. But it was just such a cool game and, like... Zidane was such a cool main character, and you just you felt things for these characters. Like you know, Vivi is this little mage uh, in the game, and you know, like, he learns things about himself that he doesn't really want to hear, and, and it makes you feel really sad for these characters. And these are just new experiences I would never had in video games. So like Final Fantasy, I mean Final Fantasy is, is overall a great series, and just from all the games that they have, all the stories that they've built, so it's such a cool just series in general. But Final Fantasy IX was, like, the big one that really gripped me hard and kind of showed me how great games can be in terms of stories. And it never ended there, too. Like, Final Fantasy X, I think, was the next big Final Fantasy for me. I know Seven is, like, beloved, and I did play that later on, and I love Final Fantasy Seven, But Nine and Ten were, like, the, the big ones for me. Ten was so cool, and it was, like, the graphics were all, like, just totally changed. Like, it was, like, the graphics had, you know, overhauled, obviously, because it was, like, the new... Final Fantasy at the time. And, like, Titus was such a cool main character again. I'm all about the main characters, I guess. Um, And, like, the story, again, is so cool. And the ending, I felt so sad from it. I remember just, like, having that story kind of loom over my head as a kid when I beat it. I kind of just felt overwhelmed. Because I I just felt so sad. I just felt like it was... I mean, without giving anything away, obviously. I'm not going to, like, spoil anything. But I just remember taking that story and just feeling very melancholy about it. Like, you had accomplished this major thing, but, you know, was the ending kind of worth it? But, again, just... Feeling away from from video game stories at the time, I didn't even realize it back then. You know, like I didn't realize I was feeling the same way about stories from video games as I would like a movie or a TV show or something. Granted, I was watching like Dragon Ball Z, so I don't think I was really feeling away <laughs> about Dragon Ball Z. But whatever. I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it was when Vegeta dies. I you know it's super sad. Yeah, I don't know. yeah, yeah. Um, spoilers. <laughs> Um, and then, uh, in terms of Final Fantasy, so the last one, 10 uh, 2. And I know 10 2 is like super not beloved like Final Fantasy 9 and 10, or maybe it is, I just totally don't understand uh, or misinterpreting. But like Ten Two 2 was a, like a different beast. And I have such a good story. I, like when I got 10 and Ten Two late, like they were already out. And so I beat 10 and I loved it. And I had heard Ten Two 2 had like a super special ending. If you, got, if you 100%ed the game, so I was like, I was there. I was ready you know, to, to take on that challenge. As a, as an awkward kid in middle school, I was all about spending time in my room and playing video games. So this is right up my alley. <laughs> so I remember buying 10-2 at my local Kmart, which is a very old sentence. And I brought it home and it just wasn't working. The game was skipping a lot. And I told my mom, of course, I'm like, mom, my game is skipping it. I might have to take it back. And she was like, show me. And so, for anyone that has played. (laughs) Sorry. If anyone has played 10 2, then you know of the really awkward beginning of this game where I think Yuna is like on stage singing, and these kind of like more like, you know, scantily clad women are kind of like walking around. And they're not like indecent or anything by any means. But, you know, they're wearing like less clothing than they were in Final Fantasy (laughs) 10. So, and I wasn't prepared for this. So, uh,. My mom walks in and she's watching this opening to ten two with me and it just keeps playing. And I swear it had just skipped. So my mom is watching this opening and I'm terrified she's going to tell me, like, she's going to question what the heck I'm playing. Uh, so I'm very nervous. And luckily, nothing ever. I, it wasn't a bad game in any means, shape, or form. You know, it was just like these three cool ladies kicking butt and it was awesome. But as just this awkward teenager, I just felt so uncomfortable with my mom watching this game with me. Um <laughs> Just a funny memory in my mind. I think we all have those those stories where your parents walk in playing a game. Oh, yeah. And the game's not bad, but it it looks bad in that moment. <laughs> and it's like, crap, why'd you walk in at this moment? Like what had this happen? Um, but again, like and, and what I love about Ten2, I love the story of Ten2, and I love the progression we see, like Yuna, the main uh, the main character of Ten2, and like a character from Final Fantasy 10. You see her like her progression and how much how much she changes. And like I think the story of Ten2 made sense. I think it was kind of wonky too. But if you hundred percent of the game, something kind of special happens at the end of that game that made me made like totally worth playing both of the games. I think it had such a good, well rounded like story at the end that it made me super happy and I loved the whole thing. And yeah 9, 10, and 10-2, the stories of those games just really stuck to me in my
1: childhood. I loved it. And I rambled super hard. So, Ryan, (laughs) take it away. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, and just to reflect on Final Fantasy, those games are are all games that I unfortunately missed. Um, But Mm -hmm. even as somebody who's missed playing them, they're such a huge part of that time in games that I, like, I know who Yuna is. And I know who all these characters are. My only experience with Mm -hmm. playing, I played 10 My friend Tyler let me borrow... Different Tyler than my cousin. My friend Tyler let me borrow (laughs) Final Fantasy X, and I took it home, and I played it for, I think, like, four or five hours. And then I brought my memory card um, and the game back over to his house to show him kind of what I did. And I had gotten to, like... I'd gotten pretty far in that first four hours, but I didn't spend a single skill point because I did not understand how the skill point system worked. He's like, Ryan, what are you doing? How, how are you playing this game without investing a single skill point? That is my only connection is me being very bad and not understanding how any of those games work. But I know that those stories are really incredible, and I know that those stories are they touch on really meaningful things in a way that um no game uh, around that time was kind of doing that's why i think they were so well loved and well liked
0: yeah yeah it, they were just so, so cool like yeah. you couldn't help but like the characters and it just was so easy for me to care about their journeys mm-hmm. and to care about like what happened to them and which is it felt weird at the time maybe a little bit but it was no different than a movie or a tv show i think it's just such a different medium to get a story from cuz when you think of video games at the time of the 90s i think it was more like For me personally, I would think of just Nintendo games like Super Mario 64 and Legend of Zelda, which, you know, is not a good example for, you know, not having a story because it definitely does. But yeah, it was just, Final Fantasy was such a special game. It really, like, struck deep in my love for video game stories. So I I just, yeah, those games just stick out to me, like, super fast when I think about that.
1: Yeah, yeah, they're they're really good games. Um, Okay, for my next one, again, kind of a weird one. And if you go back and play this game, the story that is in there... Is, is probably meaningless, but me as a eight-year-old kid, like, was so engrossed in this world. And I think part of it was because it was, uh, the game is Lego Rock Raiders. It's like a Lego game where um, you basically go into a mine and you you do all kinds of stuff. But effectively, you are a crew of a trapped spaceship who has to, like, collect these crystals from these monsters that live in the earth to power your spaceship mm-hmm. to go home. And the world was so interesting and deep and you cared about these characters and them getting to safety, or at least eight-year-old me did. Um, I have no idea (laughs) what the actual story is now, but I know, or or how it holds up now, um, but eight-year-old me was so engrossed in this world and, you know, searching for these crystals. And even though, like, part of this game was really, really scary, there was these monsters roaming, like, you pushed through because you wanted to save these individuals. You wanted to help them find these crystals and get off this planet. The gameplay was kind of okay, but... I remember being so engrossed in that. And, and it was mm-hmm. it was also a shared experience. Me and my cousin both played this game together. And I remember talking about, you know, how far we got in the mine, what things we were doing. And it was just a game that I still think about, to this day, playing that game and being engaged in that game. And it's one of my very first, like, really management-y games that I, that I fell in love with. But I think the reason was, is partly because it was Lego, and I loved Legos as a kid. I, I endlessly did Legos as a kid. And partially, again, it's because it's it's this world where you're trying to... Um, most of the games that I I, I really enjoy, especially in, um, as I, like, 9 and 10 and early teens, was, like, where you got to be, like, this hero who saved the day and have all this, like, power and control. And this was a game where you had complete control over the building of this base and the organizing, and that, I think, was really empowering. And then yeah. just the fact that each one of these characters you're helping have... Uh, A voice actor and and writing and and they have this back and forth was really interesting and engaging again i have no idea how old it holds up now or if you can even find this game but i remember as a kid really loving the story and this idea of we're going into space and we're and i also was a huge star wars fan as a kid and this was again kind of star wars adjacent in that you're going into space to this distant planet to collect these things so you can get home safely and that was really interesting and engaging it sounds cool. I didn't. I've never
0: heard of this game. I feel like your your list is like super cool indie, and mine's very like mainstream.
1: <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I think the only reason for that is that like, I think I just like played really weird games. Um, <clears throat> looking at your list, uh, with um, Final Fantasy and is is such like a a powerful story driven game where I was like trying to find the story in some of these games I played as a kid because just that was wasn't something I. For whatever reason, engaged with or was had available to me in the same way. It's cool though. I'm glad that you were able to find like games with
0: stories that, like, kind of just you know, grabbed onto you. Like, yeah. That's even, even as like not like widespread as they were. That's so, that's cool that you're able to find these things. Yeah.
1: And, and I mean, there was really good story games that came out in like Lego Rock Raiders came out in 1999, a year after Pajama Sam. So this was around the same time. I was only a year older from these two games which was like, what, eight and nine? Yeah, eight and nine years old. No, seven and eight years old. <clears throat> so both of these games, again, I, I as a seven and eight-year-old, I had no concept of what made a good story, what made it interesting. I know I was really engrossed and engaged in these things and really excited about these things. Um, and again, for all those same reasons, the, I could escape into another place. And that was, I think, what was most important mm-hmm. for these both of these stories.
0: Yeah. Actually, I think you make a really good point, too, because like, I think what the, one of the best things about entertainment in general especially video games is that they are an avenue for you to like just relax kind of just click your brain off yeah and be able to kind of just decompress and escape for a little bit which i think there's nothing wrong in that like it's i like to use uh, video games as a coping skill like when i'm stressed out and i just i need to relax i don't know how i just throw a video game on if i'm in the mood for a story-based game that's great and if i'm in the mood for a, a mindless kind of game then yeah it's perfect we have so many options nowadays it's it's great and i think. That's really helped me personally as a kid with a lot of my anxiety and a lot of my like you know struggles growing up is is video games. I think they really gave me a healthy avenue to kind of just decompress and and cope with the world. and And luckily, I wasn't. um, I was luckily as one of those kids where like my mom would like force me off my my (laughs) N sixty four GameCube or whatever after like two hours. You know, like she did a really good job parenting me like that. I didn't like you know overuse it and and where it became unhealthy. So. But regardless, the, the point is that I think video games have become a really cool way to kind of just cope with your your stressors in the world and, and that's a great thing. Yeah, I agree. My second game is Kingdom Hearts one and two. Oh yeah. And- I, and again, I was late to these. I was late to Kingdom Hearts One. I actually thought it looked kind of silly because I knew there was like Disney characters in it, and like I liked Disney, I guess. But I wasn't like super into it or anything like that. So I think at the time I had some extra money that I really wanted to buy a new game, but there was like nothing out at the time. So I visited my local. I think it was like, it wasn't EB Games, which is a, a, a old store. <laughs> I think it was a GameStop, and I and I got it. And i remember going home with it and just feeling like okay i'm gonna give this a try like we'll see what happens maybe you know i I think it was like on sale or something like that because it'd been out for a while and i remember just being like blown away by just how much i liked kingdom hearts one and the story and then i realized you know having played final fantasy nine and ten um actually i don't know if there was any final fantasy nine characters in kingdom hearts one there probably was i can't think of who it is off the top of my head um And I had, and I knew about Final Fantasy Seven and and Eight. So when I played Kingdom Hearts One, I recognized all these Final Fantasy characters in the game. I had no idea were in it. I was like, blown away. And then you know, talking to Disney characters and going to different worlds, like like tree grinding in Tarzan's world and Alice in Wonderland and bastion with Beast. Like it's so, it was just such a, a crazy story. And like yeah, Kingdom Hearts is super duper cheesy. Like it's just insanely cheesy. The dialogue is very very cheesy. And that's not why I super loved the game. Though I think it had a lot of good messages in it. And I think it had a lot of good, like, sentimental messages for kids to kind of learn from, as cheesy as it may seem. But the story overall was, like, just fantastic. It it, it was such a great game to kind of throw yourself into and enjoy. And, like, all the characters you know from Disney and Final Fantasy were there. And I think, I, I mean, I would imagine a lot of people who didn't know Final Fantasy learned to love it through Kingdom Hearts and, and the characters that were in the game, too. Like, how cool was Cloud at, at Hercules Coliseum or whatever the heck it was called? So cool. Like, he was, like, my favorite character, and you really got to see him. And, like, fighting Sephiroth in the Coliseum, I know I didn't really know much about Sephiroth, but I knew he was from Final Fantasy Seven. But it's so cool that, like, you got to fight him. And like It was just crazy. It was just such a crazy mashup that worked, surprisingly. So, yeah, I loved Kingdom Hearts 1, and it led into my love of Kingdom Hearts 2. That game came out, like a day or two before school started back up and the su- after summer vacation was over um so i remember just like telling myself i was going to focus all of my attention on kingdom hearts 2 to help like alleviate that like after summer vacation anxiety when school's about to start and kingdom hearts 2 was just again an amazing game i i got like the special edition players guide with it and it was super cool and the characters again are awesome cloud is again super cool And then it was just like a better version of Kingdom Hearts 1. I think that they did a really great job of, again, super cheesy dialogue. But the story kind of just dragged you in because of all these characters you knew and loved. And uh, just like the message of friendship and all that. It was just really cool. And I really, really liked it a lot. And and it actually makes me super sad talking about this. Because like, obviously it was years later until Kingdom Hearts 3 came out. And I feel like Kingdom Hearts 3 really, for me personally, dropped the ball. It's nothing like Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 in terms of like how special it was. I think it it just, it lacked it. And that really stinks. But I think having Kingdom Hearts 1 and 2 is awesome. I think those are, together, two, like, great games for me personally that kind of just end there. And there's a lot of Kingdom Hearts games. Like, so many. Like, maybe too many. But um, those two stick out to me the most as, like, story games that not only, like, got me because of the characters involved, but because, like, the overall message. It was about friendship. It was about, like, being nice to other people and, like, having a heart. And that's cool. I Those are games... That, I don't remember any other games that was kind of like that and that that didn't take itself too seriously but at the same time did and it worked in a weird way. Like, who would have who thought, you know? Did you have any experience playing Kingdom Hearts games, Ryan?
1: Yeah, I, I played both Kingdom Hearts games and this was my first dive into the Square Enix Final Fantasy world and then obviously, like, that Disney world which... It sounds like for you and very similar to me, like Disney was a big part of my childhood. It was a big part of the 90s, all those animated movies. Mm -hmm. And I loved Kingdom Hearts. I loved the games. The gameplay was great. The story was so good. Like you said, as somebody who never played a Final Fantasy, this type of storytelling was brand new to me. And I remember just like falling in love with it. And it was so grandiose and so powerful. This kind of struggle between good and evil that was interesting and complex. And the characters had such great development that you, you really learned and cared about Sora and um riku and uh what's her name Kyrie. Kyrie. yeah you really loved these characters and, and the, yeah the yeah. whole drive was to like reunite your friends and save your friends and it was it was really powerful yeah i loved these games i love 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 these games i didn't like you i didn't play them till i think years later but i really loved these games
0: yeah it was so cool and like, i think one of the biggest cool like one of the nicest things about the game is like the message of like don't give up on your friends yeah you and your friends are super crazy jerks who are trying to steal your heart or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> whatever Riku was doing during his emo phase. <laughs> it was cool. Like, you know, Sora was unrelentingly a good friend. And I think that was like a good message to have that maybe we need more of nowadays, I feel like. Yeah. And we kind of lost touch with that. So... What I'm trying to say is, uh, Square Enix, come on, make a better Kingdom Hearts game. <laughs> make Kingdom Hearts 3-er, and then re-release that to have Final Fantasy characters in it, because that's dumb you didn't have any in it. There was none there's, in
1: Final in Kingdom Hearts 3? none. What? There's
0: none. Yes. I, isn't that the dumbest thing ever? Yeah, there's that no... feels like, like a, a part of its DNA. Yeah, yeah. No no, no Kingdom Hearts people at wow. all i'm pretty sure i i I definitely wasn't any cloud or anything in it so which is just super disappointing that was like half of the the coolness of the whole game you know like of one and two and the other series like back then if you would have asked me could you have a kingdom hearts game with just disney and you know the kingdom hearts cast i would have probably said maybe but looking at it now there's just no way you I, i having the final fantasy characters in the game made it even more special and i I think that it really lacked a lot in kingdom hearts 3 i really i mean i beat the game so i really hope i'm not like putting my foot in my mouth and forgetting something (laughs) um
1: ryan what is your last game so my last game this was again this was about the time where this was right before kingdom hearts so this was uh, golden sun which was a really incredible series of game boy games they are in the style of final fantasy very similar to final fantasy and but the older final fantasy games the um, final fantasy 2 II and 3 and those those types of games mm. where um again it's this like incredible fantasy world where these these like magical creatures who everyone is competing to get and you play like these four friends who, and you are Isaac, this kid who has, for some reason, these incredible telekinetic magic powers. And because of that, you're chosen to, you know, help save the world with your friends. And it's... Naturally. Naturally, yeah. And again, it's, it's, <laughs> it's this kind of dive into this fantasy world with all these really interesting, engaging characters in your party or your four friends. As you, you rescue these little creatures from all over the world, you gain their powers to get more more powerful. And it was, like, this really interesting kind of journey. And and it's a game that was was so big they put it into two games, actually. It had this, like, huge continent map um, similar to Final Fantasy where you kind of went all over the world to achieve your goals and fight monsters. And um, similar to, I think, um, Final Fantasy, it sounds like anyway, um, it it was all about, you know, those characters growing and learning over time and overcoming these difficulties um, as they meet other individuals who are doing similar things to they do and in the end, having, like, this kind of really tragic but interesting story.
0: Wasn't Golden Sun the Game Boy Advance game or like, it had to be, like, sunny out? Perhaps.
1: Yeah, I think there was, like, a depending on the time of day. Because, yeah, the Game Boy Advance had, like, a light thing. The time of day affected certain things yeah. within the game. Do you remember if that had, like, anything to do with the story? Did it involve, or did it, like, affect I the story? I don't remember. I don't remember at all.
0: Yeah. I remember hearing that and thinking that was, like, such a cool... Mechanic, like and I was like, oh my god, you only play it. I mean, which, like, now when you think that's like, that would suck. Yeah. <laughs> you, can only play, you can only play it at certain times. Which I'm sure, like, if you turned on a light in your room, it would be fine. But, like, he imagined if it wasn't that way, it's just like a rainy day out, and you want to play Golden <laughs> you Sun. <just> can't. Yeah, <laughs> it's like yeah, yeah, snowing yeah. out, and you're just like, oh man, I just <laughs> want to play Golden Sun. I remember that game coming out and really wanting to play it. I just, I, again, I think there's other games that came out that I, I probably bought before, but, but that always sounded like such a cool game. I remember reading about it, and, and again, Nintendo Power, the old yes, Nintendo, Nintendo game. game. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, uh,
1: but yeah, it's so cool that this game sticks out to you. I, I wish I had played it. Yeah, and again, it's, it's another game that, similar to all my other ones, just like. Had these really cool worlds that I found myself thrown into and played over and over. And there was was a handful of Golden Sun games. And the the first one I I played a bunch of, but then Lost Age I played a ton of, which was the the follow up. It kind of, what they did was they apparently, the game was too big for that cartridge, so they split it and released it. So, like, the first game ended, and then you picked it up in the second game, which was really fun. Uh, But yeah, they they were really good games and had a really good story. The setting was really cool. Um, the characters were fairly well written, um, and the gameplay was really fun. Ah, oh, man, I,
0: I look forward to when, or if I guess, I imagine they will. But when Nintendo releases like N sixty four games, GameCube games, oh, yeah. Game Boy Advance games, I'm really looking forward to that. I I would have thought it would have happened already. Quite honestly, come on, <laughs> you Nintendo. Would think so? you- Nintendo, you're being kind of like a coward right now. Can yeah, you please just yeah, yeah. release these games? <laughs> I like your three, Ryan. They're, they're all very different from each other. Very like different, it. yeah.
1: Yeah, and they're all games that are kind of like... Have I, I can draw a line between the games I play now and, like, some of these games. Like, Rock Raiders was, like, basically a management RTS game, which are, are like, games I really love. And Pajama yeah. Sam was, like, kind of a silly, goofy, point-and-click game, adventure game, which, again, I really love. And then Golden Sun was this really cool RPG. Um, and it was one of my first RPG games that I really, like, dive into and understood and um, played that eventually led to me going back and playing... The other early Final Fantasy games, Final Fantasy 2 II and 3, and really loving those games as well. Yeah, yeah. I mean,
0: just listening to your three stories, it, I, can, I feel like I can see the the influences in yeah. the games that you play now, like, you know, mm-hmm. or, like, how those influences influence the games you play now, um, just the, the task management and the story-based, and, like, it just, it sounds very you, which is a good thing. Like, <laughs> it's cool, yeah. like, yeah. it's cool that we know each other really well to so we like, we can, like, kind of see that pattern, mm-hmm. like, um, it, and it's amazing how these games have, like, shaped us, like, growing up like it's it's very
1: very cool yeah i certainly am a very strong believer that like if if it weren't for games as a media that was such a big part of my life i'd be like just a very different human um and i attribute a, a large chunk of who i am as a person to the fact that i was so shaped by this media and it's it's still such a big part of my life um and it's a part of my life i really love
0: sometimes i still wonder how people just can't play games to kill time like, yeah. or like as a hobby i just blow like I, I just i have to think to myself like what do they do <laughs> right. you know like what else are you doing with your life yeah uh, it's like a hobby i just don't know i but again that's a very stupid thing to say there's many hobbies <laughs> out there that are yeah. not video game included and it works but yeah
1: do you eric want to tell us and and if if the last game is the game that's on your list then yeah this i, I can't wait to hear about it because i know knowing who you are as a person i i know how influential this game is in in your life
0: Oh, thank you. I feel so good for you to say that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> so the, the last the last games I I picked are two games, but they go together, um, and that's the Legend of Zelda: Ocarina of Time and the Legend of Zelda: Majora's Mask. And these two games are like probably the most influential games of my life. They're just so good in every aspect, but especially the story. And like like I said before, like my cousin Erica would play Link to the Past. All the time on SNES and like there's a story there but I never paid attention to it I just knew who Link was I knew what the point was and it was just fun to watch but when Ocarina of Time came out it just changed everything it changed absolutely everything and like I think I'm pretty sure I was seven when that game came out when Ocarina of Time came out and I was terrified I was a scaredy cat little baby boy uh, with video games especially like when uh, Goma I think it's Goma. Man, I'm gonna look so stupid if this is not their name. Uh the first boss in, in the Great Deku Tree, I'm pretty sure it's Goma. Uh comes out and you have to fight it. I, it just it freaked me out. I had the hardest time getting past it. It's just such a creepy like boss. And like and you see that a lot in the game, like the Shadow Temple and things like that. It has a lot of like dark aspects in an of time, but the story is so great and so like it's just this young boy who has to take on this like crazy task of saving. Hyrule, this beautiful land that he he actually just only has been introduced to. Like, he never has left his home. So, like, as as a seven-year-old watching Link go on this adventure, it was super easy to kind of identify with him and just kind of, like, because they're both, like, kids. Then as he grows up into a teenager, like... And then, and then the mission there, like, it's just, overall, the story was just amazing. And, like, it's just a classic tale of good versus evil, you know, Link and Zelda versus Ganon, and the the stakes there. And then Sheik was super cool, and when that, that reveal is amazing, and, yeah, like, it's just, it was cool to see. Because Ocarina of Time is a, is a beefy game. Like, it is many temples in that game. I think there's, like, oof, I think nine or ten off the top of my head. And just to see Link's adventure come to fruition at the end is so great. And then not only that, but then to have The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask come out very close after that, that continues that link story, was amazing. And again, I'm pretty sure I was nine, and I was still just a little baby boy, uh... Who was scared of everything and Majora's Mask freaked me out. I used to have nightmares about Majora's mask, like specifically Majora's Mask. I would be terrified. I remember there's a nightmare I had as a kid where I was sleeping in bed and like Majora's Mask as skull like so skull kid wearing Majora's mask. If you play the game, you know what I'm talking about. Like comes out in front of my bed and just stands there staring at me. And I would run, I would wake up and just be convinced it was still there, and I would just bolt out of my bed and run to my parents' room. Like I would be just terrified, absolutely terrified. But uh, the story of Majora's Mask is so great because it is such a, it's such a—it's even more of a dark story and a really sad tale. And and the different interpretations of Majora's Mask is so great that I, I definitely plan on diving into later on. How cool it was that we continued this story of this young hero and, and where it goes from there. And the ending was again so great, like as as creepy and, and as sometimes disturbing as Majora's Mask could be. The ending was just so beautiful, and, and so warm, and great, and it's just a story that sticks to me so well, and, and and stands out as a amazing story. Throughout my life, I've always wondered what game I like more, do I like Ocarina of Time more, or Majora's Mask more? And honestly, as much as I love Ocarina of Time, I think Majora's Mask is just such a unique story. The feelings of loss, and so many people kind of die in that game, and are able to help link to the end of his journey and, and sacrifice. And it's just so many themes in that story that weren't really present in Ocarina time. There, there were some there, but it was just much more prevalent, I think, in Majora's Mask in terms of like, what will you do to save the ones you love? And Link kind of sees that in all of the campaigns he kind of gets along the way in terms of like the masks he he brings and, and the souls attached to those masks. And what is even better about Majora's Mask is all the mystery still left there. And it's, just, it's mystery we still have to this day. It's unlike any other Zelda game out there. And I think it's any, like unlike any other game out there in general. It's just so special. Yeah, wow. I, I, I really am super psyched to cover Majora's Mask and <laughs> Ocarina of Time, but, but definitely Majora's Mask.
1: Yeah, I mean, hearing you talk about these games, knowing you as a person, knowing how much you love them, it, it's just so great to hear you talk about how passionate you are. And it makes and it makes me excited to want to hear these stories and play these games. Mm-hmm. And again, I, I, didn't, I played a, a little bit of Ocarina of Time Majora Mask, I started and was too terrified by the fact there was a time limit that I was like, nah, I'm good. Um, (laughs) But, like, I really wish I didn't skip that. And I really wish I I really had the chance to dive into these games because hearing you talk about them, they're just such incredible pieces. They're just incredible stories. Just full stop. Just really incredible stories um, that could be found in any media that exists. And the fact that you get to play through it, I think, just makes it even better. Um, I just can't wait to hear these stories in depth more. Yeah. Because they're just so... It's just so exciting to hear you talk about it. Yeah, I don't, well, thank you. I, I am trying super hard not to deep dive into it much Nets right now.
0: The, what's so cool about Zelda, Legend of Zelda, is the story is very simplistic. It's an easy story to digest. But the characters are so unique. And being able to kind of put yourself into Link's shoes because he's this silent protagonist is really cool. Um, yeah, it's just and it's, and it's just so sad because you just don't know what happens. What's, what's I think the most interesting part about these two games, from a story perspective, is you see this version of Link do so much. At the end of Majora's Mask, you don't really know what happens to him at the end. Spoilers I kind of just rides off in the distance. And we, we understand what happens to that Link later, later on in other games. But it breaks my heart to know that we never had that connection as to what happened to him after Majora's Mask to where he's at in what we think is Twilight Princess. And Nintendo's already kind of confirmed that. Um, and we'll dive that into that more when we cover the games. But yeah, it's just uh, that's the link that I I just ah oh, can we just cover those games please? I need to <laughs> yeah of course of course we can <laughs> okay cool <laughs> yeah so those are our favorite games from our childhood I'm sure there's many more uh, we kind of yeah. were just coming them up with them on the whim um, but if we had you know spent more time on I'm sure we come up with a, a, so many more but this is a good start we'll we always come back to this topic later with another DLC episode and as always storygoers if you have favorite games from your childhood. That you would love to tell us about, we would love to read them on one of our future DLC episodes. So again, tales from the cartridge at gmail.com. All of the E's are threes. And you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. DM us and let us know what your favorite games from your childhood were. And we will happily read those on the next DLC episode. I'm very curious what people will write in about. I I wonder if they'll be kind of more um mainstream like my choices were, or very like spread out like Ryan's were. I think both are very cool, different dynamics. It was very cool to see and in, in, in compare and contrast what well, we got out of games as, as children.
1: Yeah, yeah. So so wildly different. It's so interesting.
0: Yeah, awesome. Um, so yeah, so our new format for November is coming up again this month. I just said November, but um, two episodes this month. Mm-hmm. For our second episode, we're not quite sure yet. We are having uh, guests come on, and they're still trying to figure out what game they want to play. And to uh, what story to tell, which is you know super hard choice to make. We we totally yeah. understand. I think. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, I think we understand better than better than many others. Yeah, definitely. How, how challenging it is to come up with like a really good story to dive into. Yeah, and I think we've done a pretty good job so far. What did you say? Ryan? I think so too. I think it's an amazing <laughs> job. Yeah. I have no bias here saying that. <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all.
0: Um, as for our first game we're cover this month, Ryan, would you like
1: to announce what that is? Yes. So, uh, for the month of November, the first game we are going to play this month, hearkening back as I was talking about the Humongous Entertainment games, it made me just miss and love point-and-click adventures, so why not go back to one of the ones that started it all, The Curse of Monkey Island, a game by LucasArts, from 1997. Uh, If you've never played this game, the writing is so charming and incredible. The story is similar to Red Dead, and it's kind of wacky and silly, but there's, like, there's. There's a, a serious story in there, but it's kind of hidden underneath all this really wacky silliness. This game, I never played it as a kid. I played it probably five or so years ago after I first built my PC, and I love this game. The characters are great, the story is great, the the world is just really interesting, and it's just full of silly uh, craziness, and it's really wonderful. So yeah, the Curse of Monkey Island by Lucas Arts, uh, one of their very one of their first in their series of really good point and click adventure games. But yeah, it's 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 a great time.
0: I've never played it, actually. I've always heard of Monkey Island, but I've never played it. So I'm very interested to to hear the story that you tell. I'm very excited.
1: Yeah, and um, if if you'd like to play along, there's a, um, for $7 on Steam, you can play the remastered version that isn't, uh-huh. like, super pixelated. Um, the pixelated one is beautiful and wonderful, and, you know, it's, it's worth doing, and there's actually a button you can switch between them at any time while you're playing, um, oh, cool. which is super cool to see. But sometimes in point-and-click adventure games, you have to like find a thing hidden on a page. And finding that one pixel, <laughs> because it's like, all 16-bit, is a super hard challenge. So um, it, it's a really great game. I can't wait to cover it.
0: So cool. And uh, StoryGoers, we will let you know about the
1: second game this month as soon as we, we figure out and iron out all the details and stuff like that. Um, and monkey island will come out um so because we're doing two a month monkey island will be out on the 15th of november so this is going out on the first and monkey island will be on the 15th and then our our third game will be on the 29th of this month so you can put those into your calendar and expect uploads on those days yes definitely so
0: hopefully this new this new format is uh one that everyone enjoys i know it's one less story but i think the episodes are gonna be way better just think yes. about all the monkey sounds we're gonna be putting in. this episode. It's fantastic i don't know if there's actually yeah, monkeys yeah. on this, the, this game. there's
1: a lot of pirate sounds so we pirate sounds and oh, boat sounds it's cool. it's, a, it's a pirate game so monkey owns a, it's a pirate treasure adventure game
0: there's gonna be a lot of like water, sound. some water like sounds to yeah, some water sounds <laughs> some some
1: args um lots 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 of silly voices so oh, can I do some voices? That. <laughs> yes, of course you can. Lots Yay. of silly voices, lots of great characters. It's going to be wonderful. I'm
0: wondering if any storygoers are are still here after listening to all the silly voices we've done in this episode so far. Uh,
1: I mean, the masterpiece that is Red Dead and the voice of Seth. I think if that that should just be sent to somebody, um, and they need to call and give you a job because so incredible. And we know who we want it. Gabe. yes <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah please tweet a gays send him the episode
0: wouldn't this, be, wouldn't this voice be great as a portal gun? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah yeah silly crazy prospector oh uh, um, that would be a, can you imagine a portal gun yeah. that's just a crazy prospector that'd be a fantastic all the all amazing. the digging jokes and like <laughs> know you can make like i don't know I, it, we're just again giving him free ideas away to to Valve for their development oh, yeah. of, I'm sure Portal Three that is is not happening. So uh, <laughs> no, unfortunately, yeah, probably but, not. <laughs> but hey, I mean, we can inspire them. I hope they didn't think they'd make another Half Life game, and here we have them. So.
1: There we go. We have Alex, which exactly. also. Great, great times in LA. I want to play it so bad.
0: I gotta play those games. I think once, I think once things die down, maybe in like January, February, and there's not a lot of games coming out. I'm gonna yeah, the lull. Half-life. Yeah, half-life, yeah, It's so good. Yeah, the video game, the annual video game lull that, that occurs. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that would be a fantastic time to to dive in. And plus, we live in Maine, so the amount of snow days and, and stuff, and just you know being yeah. stuck in your house, is gonna be perfect for mm-hmm. catching up on yeah. video game backlogs. Like, Suck at California. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'm just kidding. Please listen to us, California. Please. Yeah, uh,
1: please. Go. I don't know if we have. Yeah, California, tune in.
0: Yeah, we don't have any Californians. yet, yeah, I don't think. But um, so yeah, thank you again, Gores, yeah, for listening thanks, to another everyone. episode. Yes, and we will see you next episode for the Curse of Monkey Island. <laughs> <laughs> no, I was gonna do Arg, That's and then I <laughs> did that. I don't know. Why. Anyway, all <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll see you later. <laughs> Bye. Bye.